Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. Sponsors this week is a law firm. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, no. Oh, we got them back? <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember what they were called. Oh, dear. Uh, D&D, D&D Legal, Legal Services. Services. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to forget that one for a while. <laughs> you read it so earnestly. It was adorable. Uh. <laughs> uh. I feel like I should win some award for that, for that problem. Like, I really, I should have my own, like, Ashton Kutcher show, just, like, punking people on Relay. That would be great. <laughs> oh, that would be, that actually would yeah. be wonderful. You could have, like, a, you, know, you could have a, ca- a camera, like, surreptitiously hidden, and you could call it something like, like, candid video camera. Yeah, it'd be great. No, yeah, we should do that. I think I would do very well at like an Ashton Kutcher punk show, but for Relay. And we do stuff every week. Like um, we get a really good Taylor Swift impersonator <laughs> to show up and pretend to be her at Christina's office. Yeah. And just like see Christina freaking out. And then like, nope, I'm not Taylor Swift. <laughs> and then get her reaction on camera. That part might be scary. Taylor Swift has to show up. <laughs> yeah. I'll just call up. I'll call up Taylor. Yeah, or you or you send her to the Mashable office after she's moved, right? Oh, oh to get yes, yes. okay, that would be, be hilarious. <laughs> Taylor Swift goes to Mashable office to meet Christina, and she's already moved to Gizmodo. <laughs> So I have to tell you, I really like the review, the the reviewer that left the stuff talking about how they could not stand our um, pointless banter before the show. (laughs) I want to tell you, I think that's very fair. Yeah. Uh, This right now is low quality banter. It's it's really terrible. It's unprofessional. You know, we're we're not good at it. And I think, I don't know, we should try harder. Should we suck less? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah. Come on, George. Step up our banter game. Give me some good banter and go. <laughs> okay, so I think that we should do a full show about the debate of Fraggle Rock versus the Muppets. Start now, Micah. Uh, wait, Fraggle Rock. <laughs> Wrong. That, you have to be snappy on this. Go ahead, Steve. Fraggles are bullcrap. That's it. That's my argument. What do you have against Fraggles? All right, so please go re-review the show and bump <laughs> us up to at least four stars. Right, that's some four-star quality content. I feel like that was four content. stars. Yeah, we got one star, which oh. I think is fair. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they just didn't know that there were the other four stars that they could also give us. Oh, yeah. I forgot that's yeah. how that works. Fast forward the podcast and pass over the banter part. Well, look, like if you're if you're listening to a podcast, there's no fast forwarding. There's no movement at all. Uh, you just got, you got to listen to the whole thing. And whether you you want to hate listen or not, you got to once you start, you can't stop. 
Listen, I go to great lengths to add chapter (laughs) markers into the show now so that if you are a no fun busybody, you can just press the fast forward button and then you'll get to when we actually start talking about a topic. Unless unless I decide to start punking the chapter markers and, you know, just kind of start throwing them randomly in where there's more banter. Right. Like you put down the secret to the Kentucky Fried Chicken secret sauce thing and it's not. We also have to laugh less because there's too much laughter in this show. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah. God. Yeah. Look at you, Georgia. Look at you. Yeah. Joy. Don't do joy. Listen, I am ready. I am ready to be a professional podcaster. I am tapping my papers. I will read the rest of the show in an NPR voice. Perfect. And up next, we have the next thing we're going to talk about. I'm going to clear my mouth a little bit so that you can hear me drinking water in between sessions on the show. Worst part, though, was was I did get a tweet <laughs> that said that um, the level of horror that they had in my Elmo voice, I think that it was like like a, a really bad horror film like it. That, uh, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, it was it was terrifying. And I'll read it. So Disruption FM is great, but Georgia Dow's Elmo impression is like something out of a horror movie. Yep. yep. <laughs> at the that, second, that is a fair, fair and balanced review right there. At the second Elmo cry, I had to rip my headphones out and make sure no monster was creeping up on me. <laughs> I'm right there with you. That was some freaky stuff that was happening. Until we do the the I'm More challenge of making oh, um, puppets. Of each of us, then I can throw in the Elmo voice to be to my puppet, and I can also traumatize that show. I don't want that to happen, and so in order to prevent that from happening, uh, no, I'm kidding. Let's uh, let's let's get into the show. I, I think it's uh, you know we've done our witty banter, we've upset the the reviewers who are going to say that our banter is terrible and we laugh too much, and uh, I think it's time to talk about something that's that's a little terrible. <laughs> Uh, Good. Yeah, you know. The banter or the Elmo voice? Well, those are both terrible. Can you do the whole episode in an Elmo voice, Georgia? (laughs) Can you do that? How many many more one-star reviews do you want? I want all one-star reviews. Like, I just, it's like, you know, because we're never going to have all five. So we should go in the other direction and just try to be perfect. Go one way. We might as well go all All the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think perfectly terrible gets just as much attention as perfectly wonderful. I mean, if our current uh, campaign cycle is any indication. Uh, so let's talk about game design advertisements. Yeah. What do we? What yeah. do we got going here? All right, all right. I'll drop some truth knowledge on our listeners. So, Perfect. Uh, my friend Cortana Five. That's not her real name. That that her that's her Twitter handle. I don't know if she tells people her real name, but she uh, she works for Bungie, right? So she's really awesome. And she uh, was surfing Facebook, and she got um, she saw an ad in her feed, and her her actual quote from it was, "Where the." Beep, do I even start with this? So you have this picture of like an anime looking girl. Um, it kind of looks like uh, it kind of looks like Kate Beckinsale from Underworld, but like a gamer girl version of her. So really pale, uh, super dark hair, headset. And then there's a screenshot uh, from Tomb Raider uh, behind her. And this is the actual post that someone paid a uh, dollar to show my friend uh, on Facebook because ad rates are actually 
actually pretty expensive. So uh, who said the girls can't game that has a controller emoji? We're looking for gamer chicks interested in game testing and design. And then it has a link to an ad uh, that says, you won't believe how easy it is to get a degree and become a game tester or designer. And she was also sent another ad to go along with this. So this is a Facebook ad for a group called Game Design Schools. And this is the copy. It goes, do you even game? Test and design video games for a living in less time than you think. It's so awesome, even girls are doing it. And then it has a link to Game Design Schools, where you can go get a video, uh, a degree in video game design. And then there's this, uh, you know, kind of 20-something girl that's kind of leaning over so you can see her cleavage as she's gaming. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I have a lot to say about this. But, I mean, Georgia, does that inspire you to give up this whole therapist thing and, like, finally go get a degree in game design? No. (laughs) Really? Really? That doesn't speak to you? Why would that not speak to you? I, I don't even know where to start with the reasons to it. There's, like, we could probably talk for the rest of the podcast on why... I find this um, insulting. Well, I think the you know people out there need to know. Was why yeah. you went into designing? Oh, clearly, no, no. There was an ad on Facebook, and a girl was leaning over to you know. That's that's yeah. what makes me feel. That's what right. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to game dev. Well, yes, it's going to be great. No, um, you know something that increasingly worries me is you know, games have become a bigger industry. Um, and because of that, you're seeing a lot of colleges come through and add a game design major. Um, this is really, um, it's exacerbated because, you know, the game industry has a lot of churn, right? Like we have this habit of bringing in 20 somethings and then kicking them out. So you have people that just don't want to work in AAA anymore, and then they'll often want to go teach at colleges. So there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot big labor pool for this, and there's a lot of student interest there. So when you mix these two things together, um, you really kind of get a situation that I, I'm just going to be honest, I interpret it as very frequently taking advantage of students. Listeners out there may not know this, but there are degree programs out there uh, for private schools that will charge students almost $100,000 to get, um, you know, like a, a game design degree. And yeah, you do have some people that come out of that and go to work for Blair, uh, for Blizzard, or you know, a really prestigious company like that. But very often, they will end up sending resumes to people like me. And, you know, I am inundated with, you know, resumes from people with a frankly low level of skill. You know, I look at the their project portfolio, it will just be the same exact model gun, model knife, design a level using the same Lego parts from this program. And you just look at it and they're completely unemployable. And I go like, how could they have spent $100,000 on this? So, you know, it, it's just a really concerning situation to see like, you know, basically, 
basically these ads on Facebook for colleges, you know, basically preying on kids that, you know, when you're 18, you don't know anything. Like you're just trying to get a start in the, in the world mm-hmm. and you don't have the sophistication to kind of think through these messages, you know, and you have parents that just want the best for their kids. So they'll, you know, they, they pay for these really expensive programs. And I'm just, I'm increasingly concerned because I see a lot of kids that just are not employable come through these programs. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's something to be said, too, for like the value of a computer science degree. And I know that there's been like a lot of, you know, that you you don't need a computer science degree and you don't. But at the same time, if you know that that's what you want to do, there is something to be said for just going and getting a more general degree that's going to help you with the fundamentals, you know, from from day one. And then if you because you may decide after doing it for a couple of years, you might not want to do games anymore. And, you know, a computer science degree gives you a lot more options there, too. I think that's true, but I think it's a real misnomer that most, uh, you know, um, jobs in the game industry are about programming. That is yeah, a certain subset true. of them that's, you know, on the higher paid end. Um, you know, we have a lot of, tr- we have a big trend of um, outsourcing modeling. Uh, animation is generally something you're going to do at rigging, um, you know, doing shaders. Uh, you know, there are all these other specialties where I, I think, um, you know, almost like coming from an art background, like a commercial art background where you can work in a pipeline in a company and put stuff up out. That's like one of my more useful skills was, you know, doing print runs, uh, you know, paying my my rent for years that way. So, you know, just beyond the, the obvious sexism of this ad, I really, um, I, I'm so skeptical about private schools in general. And I say that as someone who attended one, I, I think you can look at the, um, at the numbers of what the debt are and what the job placement is after you get out of there. And it's just such a better ratio with state schools that, mm-hmm. you know, I think for most people, that's you know, clearly a way to go. Yep. I had a, a relative of mine who took the private school route, uh, specifically in the uh, computer science field, and ended up not ever finding a job uh, and doesn't do anything in that field uh, today. <laughs> and I went to a state school and, you know, I'm doing the thing that I went to school to do. And so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, th- that's anecdotal evidence of the fact. And I mean, $100,000, goodness gracious. And to, of course, well, I mean, maybe for someone, but I, you know, thinking about that person, uh, be, I don't think that these ads themselves will hopefully attract too many people. Um, but oh, I, know, do. Yeah. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think they will because, I mean, a lot of people have this fantasy of, like, game design being playing video games for a living. Yeah, and I mean, that's true. why you see a lot of that's people true. trying to trying to get, you know, even jobs like, you know, writing for someplace like Polygon or Kotaku or whatever. And how many people, you know, apply for those jobs and which is not to say that having one of those jobs is is bad and it's not fun. But there's also a lot of work there that, you know, you don't necessarily think about when you just say, well, I like playing video games and I want to be paid to do it. And that's not really what those jobs no. are entirely. You know, the video game industry doesn't need idea people. You know, I look at this ad and you read it. It's like not as much work as you think, easy, not much time. And that's the exact, like, it's trying to attract people that are 
absolutely unemployable in our field, you know. Now, there is a wider range of jobs. Like, for me, I just hate working nine to five. I always have. Uh, I just, I get inspired, and sometimes it's at two in the morning, and sometimes it's at ten in the morning, you know. Um, So, there is a wide variety of that out there. But you have to be a very self-motivated person. And the truth is, like, getting to design games, let's just be straight up, the most important skill there is political and networking Mm -hmm. and working within a large organization getting that the game industry does not need idea people and you have children out there with this fantasy of you know oh i'm just going to sit down come up with a cool game type and someone's going to pay me and then you know just sit back and play the game no you know the reality of game design is it's mostly sitting down and tweaking spreadsheet values and figuring out like minutia based off playtesting data and pushing for new features and it's it's incredibly incredibly hard so what the video game industry needs is people that you can hand an idea to and that they will take it to fruition so um, I just, you know, Georgia, you've got a kid, you know, you've got two of them as I understand it. You know, Steve, you've got, <laughs> you've got, I, I checked, um, you know, <laughs> you know, I just, I have to imagine for you and Steve, this has to be terrifying to see, you know, college just perverted into something to like, you know, take away like your your hopes and dreams and investment in your child and like milk it and like exploit it. Like this is terrible. It really horrifies me. Well, I think that I'm I'm probably in a different um, situation because in Canada, um, college is free. What? Hopefully free. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> college is free here. Um. Oh, that's the end of the podcast. That was, that was a fun episode. Shut down. Canada, <laughs> doggone it, not again. Yeah. Oh. So, so as long as you do a full course load and you pass them, the government will pay for um, your college. And then if you want to go on to university, it's highly subsidized. So here, Quebec probably has one of the lowest tuitions. Um, it's about like 2000 a semester for university degree. Uh, that's for a bachelor's and a master's degree. There are some degrees that are less subsidized just because of the amount of cost in that. So I think it's like 15000 for a medical degree, but it's still almost nothing. So there's less chance of people going to one of these online services and spending all that money when they can do a computer programming degree for nothing instead. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Did I just wreck? <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about paying for three times a gazillion dollars all at the same time, and maybe I should just send them all up to Canada. You know, maybe they can learn. Maybe they can get like a curling scholarship or something. A lot of people go to Canada. It's it's still cheaper, even without the subsidy. If you're paying the seven thousand or nine thousand, it's still cheaper than what you would pay in the states. Um, so a lot of people do. Well, this well thank you, Georgia. Of- that gloating perspective is very helpful for this discussion. I mean, Steve, for you, you don't have a, 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 you don't have a nanny state government no. to take care of all of your. I am the nanny state. You are the nanny state. So how does I mean, you know, like how are you going to handle this? Like when this has to put fear in your heart. About about them getting taken advantage of to yeah, do something like that. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm hoping that my kids are going to end up being smart enough to not be 
taken advantage of. And at least I know enough about, you know, these types of things to hopefully <laughs> dissuade them, though they'll be adults when they decide to go to college. And I mean, I'm still going to be the one paying for it. So sorry, I'll have a Steve, I'll I have to matter, laugh but. at the thought that like a father has that much influence on what <laughs> the daughter's decision. Well, I, the, the influence is more <laughs> yeah, in my yeah. wallet than oh, in okay. my yeah, purse. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah, totally. That totally. works. Yeah, that works. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> that works. effective. That's effective. <laughs> Yeah, but, it, you know, it, okay, if you want to pay for it, go ahead. Or if you want me oh, to pay God. for it, then we're going to go to an accredited university. But, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's scary even just because, like, any degree at college is, you know, pretty much a crapshoot anyway. And, I mean, even, like, a computer science degree, like, I was, I graduated in 2001, and I was really lucky to get a job out of college, and I almost didn't because that was right after the dot-com bust, and it, there, nobody was hiring. Like, I, if I graduated in 2000, I, w- I had, like, a whole bunch of places willing to throw money at me. And it, it, they would have all been out of business by the time that I, you know, six months after I graduated if I, if I had gone with them. But, you know, now it's just kind of like it's the thing that you do and you do it for the experience, but it doesn't necessarily help you. Yeah. If you're going to go into programming, you are still better off. Like understanding the fundamentals of computer science, which, you know, if it's going to be through university or something else like any like the one thing I I get a little bit frustrated about with, you know, anybody can learn to code. That's true. Anybody can learn how to how to write code. Not everyone can understand like what the computer is doing with all that code and how to make optimal code. You know, the the kinds of things that you learn by going through an operating systems course and a, a fundamentals of programming course and stuff like that, you know, it's going to depend on what they want to do. But, yeah, it's it's terrifying to see these types of Facebook ads just kind of like, oh, you want to play video games for a living? Come over here and we'll and we'll, you know, we'll give you a fun course and then you'll go play video games for a living. And, and even if that worked out right, like even game testing is not a ton of fun playing the same like half a level over and over and over again to try to recreate a bug. Like that's not, that's not sitting at home, chilling with your, chilling with your buddies, uh, you know, playing destiny on Friday night. It's very different. I'm feeling very judged right now. (laughs) Very judged. Uh, I think uh, in, in the end, it's just um, we have to hope that uh, people are, are wiser than these ads. I mean, the the fact probably is that that's not the case simply because, you know, there's there's money to be made in them. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be putting them out there. But um, I mean, for example, uh, of course, I just got out of it. But my younger siblings um, are still, you know, deciding or, you know, coming up to go into college and stuff like that. And uh, at least for us, um, you know, I was a first generation college student and um, financially, there's no way that we could ever uh, like afford without complete uh, without complete scholarships to go to a private school. And so for the most part, um, it's made sense to go to these these public universities. And in doing that, you know, the, the standardized curriculum oft protects uh, from some of these more ridiculous things that happen. Um, now, you know, that's not to say that it's not still going to happen. Um, but I think that I don't know. It, it just makes sense. And uh, I've heard lots, 
lots more good stories from friends of mine uh, who have graduated from uh, public schools rather than or state schools rather than uh, from from private ones. But uh, you know, I just hope for the best. <laughs> and those ads definitely were not the best. Uh, there's something about the word chick that just makes my skin oh, crawl. It no, makes it's my terrible. skin crawl. It's terrible. Ugh. Unacceptable. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think that's it. And, uh, you know, Steve, I'm going to follow up on this topic by sending your daughters <laughs> lots of flyers to oh. Trump University. I no. hear good things about it. It's I mean, gonna, as long as you also send the, send us Trump steak so at least we can have a nice dinner. Sure, sure. Then, well, you know, I'll get that, right I'll, on I'll that. Okay that. I'll get right on that. Well, we'll make I'll dinner s- great again. Yeah, you can do that. Well, Trump you know, University. Yeah. Oh my gosh, uh, it is it is time to make this. Well, the, even girls are doing it. So yeah, cool. even girls stay. can go to Trump University. It's true. Yeah. You know what else girls are doing? <laughs> wow, so I love that's, that you tried. It better, be, you tried that it, segue. it better be individuals under the age of eighteen if you're using that word. Under oh, this yes, this is true. Uh, those under the age of eighteen or women older than eighteen yes. are setting okay. up easy mobile payment solutions with Braintree. This episode of Disruption is brought to you by Braintree. That's code for easy mobile payments. Maybe you're working on the next Uber, Airbnb, or GitHub, and why not use the same simple payment solution that helped them become what they are today? Braintree makes mobile payments so fast, easy, and seamless, it's almost magical. And it and it, add it to your app with just a few lines of code, and you're instantly ready to accept Apple Pay, Android Pay, PayPal, Venmo, credit cards, even Bitcoin. And if some other way to pay comes along, Braintree's going to support that too. Braintree's fast payouts and continuous support means you'll always be ready, whether you're earning your first dollar or your billionth. See fewer abandoned carts and more sales with Braintree's best-in-class mobile checkout experience. To check it out for yourself, visit braintreepayments.com disruption. Once again, that's braintreepayments.com slash disruption. Thank you so much to Braintree for their support of disruption and all of Relay FM. It's time to move on now from the, the Braintree read to talk about emoji. Some, some things of uh, some moving and shaking has happened this week in the world of emoji. Um, not only did Apple uh, first introduce a bunch of uh, new emoji that are going to be coming in iOS 10 that add more gender options, but we are also seeing a pride flag, and we're also seeing the replacement of a real-life pistol with a water pistol. Um, and yeah, I mean, I really want to talk about that. And I want to talk about how uh, there are still places where, you know, we need to see more inclusive emoji, uh, but this being a good first step. And I know that uh, we're going to unleash the Tao to talk about inclusiveness and how, uh, you know, seeing yourself represented is, is a healthy thing. But before we get there, I want to quickly touch on uh, something that I think often escapes people because what ends up happening is people, I hear them go, Apple just released a bunch of new emoji or Google just released a bunch of new emoji. And that's not actually the case. Wait, what? Apple and Google are not the ones responsible for maintaining and creating the different ideas for emoji. Now, I, I say it like that because there is a caveat, which is that Apple and Google are the ones designing their individual emoji, but the the actual emoji itself is is 
created by the Unicode Consortium. So there is this basic language uh, that a lot of different computers and servers and phones and all of these different uh, devices use to kind of uh, universally communicate, and it's Unicode. Uh, because if we had a bunch of different types of languages, then you wouldn't be able to see some characters on your Mac that others can see on their PC, that someone in another country can see on theirs. It all helps standardize things. So each individual character gets its own code that's part of the Unicode standard, and then the computer gets that code, and then it shows you the image instead, or the, or the character instead. In this case, it's emoji. So the big thing to understand is that the Unicode Consortium, which makes the Unicode standard, is the company responsible for maintaining and cataloging and categorizing emoji. And they're also the ones responsible for uh, accepting or rejecting the addition of new emoji. Okay, uh, So they've got like a big task on their hands. But the interesting thing is, and the thing that I found the most fascinating as I was going through and trying to understand how emoji work and where they come from, is that the, the people... Where do emoji when, when a man loves a woman... Yeah, or yeah. Yes, yes. So, oh. so this is this is what's happening at the new and new and improved iMore is you're just spending all day looking researching how emoji work. That's that's what's happening how with this do new direction. Emoji it's just, work? Yeah, no. So yeah, I took I take a bee emoji and I drop it on a flower emoji and then a new emoji is born. No, um oh, It sounds like you're know. playing Pokemon Go at work is what it sounds like you're doing. I did play Pokemon Go at work, but I actually uh learned all of this during my tenure at Newsy uh when I created a video that uh, describes all of this stuff. But uh the the last thing that I want to touch on here is the interesting thing that the two people in charge of the emoji group within the Unicode Consortium are actually a guy from Apple and a guy from Google. So Apple and Google are sort of kind of responsible for the emoji that come to our devices, just not directly. So they get a code and they get a name and a description a description for each emoji, and then they're responsible for saying what does the phone or the computer show whenever that code is sent. And that is how emoji are made. Now, anyone can propose uh, a new emoji to add, but then it goes through this whole process and it ends up, you know, being decided or not deciding. And actually, in the documentation on the site, I thought this was funny, adding characters to an encoding standard involves a long formal process, which can take two years or more. There very explicit about how much paperwork and all of the other stuff, including time, goes into the creation or adjustment of an emoji. And so I think that that's fascinating. And uh, especially because, like I said, the idea that Apple just kind of like makes them in their own factory and Google does the same is not the case. They're just responsible for the design. And that's why Apple can make a squirt gun show up whenever you use the specific Unicode for what used to be the pistol. So that is pretty much everything you need to know about where emoji come from. But uh, let's open this up into the broader discussion about how now women play basketball and weightlift and can be construction workers and spies. That's pretty cool, right? And men can be Playboy bunnies. And men can be Playboy bunnies, which was, uh, I enjoyed sending that emoji to everyone I know uh, on the day that that came out. But I mean, cool. This stuff mimics real life now. That's good. Yeah. 
No, I'm very against it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I want to see, I'm, I'm tired of uh, all this PC stuff. No, I mean, it's awesome. It, it's awesome. Something I, I say a lot when I, I do you know, talks at, at you know, corporations or colleges is, you know, if you want to make someone feel like a monster in society, deny them a reflection. So, you know, I talk a lot about getting women in, into engineering. When you don't have examples of women engineers in movies, Movies and, you know, in little things like um, emojis. I mean, it just has this very subtle effect of, you know, telling people that they're not welcome there. And I think it's just, um, you know, fantastic to start tearing um, down all of these these walls. So I think it's a step forward. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm super psyched about it. Yeah, you know, and this is how I can tell that uh, this is so incredibly important. The, of all the articles I've created thus far for iMore, um, I put together a quick article on this and I basically just said that, hey, these emoji have come out and also I'm super excited because I can represent my entire family now in emoji and it is the most commented on article that I've ever done and most of the comments are uh, Micah's family. uh, No, are white men uh, according to their profile photos uh, are white men complaining that that all this PC crap is happening. So it's like, yeah, you are the... Oh, really? Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, did you think yeah. about how this would affect them? Like, yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> You're right. Come Why on. did I think That's about true. them? That's true. There's not, there's, there's not enough emoji for everyone. This is and actually so my fault. they lose out. Yeah. If you get your emoji, then they don't get their emoji. That's I mean, every time you create a diverse emoji, that's taking away an emoji from a white dude. That's right. And I will tell you, as a white dude, that's, that's terrifying and disheartening and, uh, you know... I think that we need to eliminate at least three states from the union in order to solve this. Yeah, so I wonder. I, I wonder what are, what are your takes on having a pride flag then? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. So there's, you know, that was just kind of indicator that hey, this is, and I I don't want to make that sound terrible because there were obviously some really awesome people in there, including someone who I had to laugh because they wrote. Well, I think I remember Micah saying he was a homosexual, so this is good. I'm glad. So I'm glad he got I to think remember. I do remember Micah saying he was a homosexual. Oh my god. I think I they do remember a, that. Yeah, right. They put a smiley face at the end, and I just wanted to I, oh. I of course didn't, but I just wanted to reply and put uh, bisexual, but thanks with a smiley face. But I just let that slide. So uh, awkward on so many levels. I, no, but it's, that made me laugh. Think- Let's just say it. Think that's, before you comment. Don't comment inebriated. Like that's a, that's like using females instead of women. It's like sounds like a Ferengi was saying it. A, a homosexual. Those females. It was glorious. Um, it it made up for like I said, all of the people talking about this quote unquote PC crap because it was. It's like one of those. There was an attempt. I don't know if you've ever seen that star, but it's like a, it's a gold star, but it's all lopsided, and it says there was an attempt, and you give it to somebody whenever they try, but they didn't really try. They, they just kind of tried. <laughs> I'm happy like, you, you participated. Participated star? Like participation yes, exactly. Ribbon, yeah. yeah. The minimum <laughs> amount of trying. Uh, there was a smiley face at the end, and uh, they recognized my uh, not straightness. They just got the wrong not straightness. But that's okay. Uh, let's talk about the the water pistol emoji. There's you know there's yeah. been some mm-hmm. uh, back and forth on this, which I think is what makes it the most fascinating. Brie is that some people have said, well, this is a terrible thing because if I see the water pistol and send it to my friend on Android, then they're gonna think I'm 
I'm shooting at them, so Apple should not have done this. What do you think? Uh, you know, I, I, I do see both sides of the argument. There was, oh, God, you know, I do a column every month for Mac Life magazine, and there was another article on this, uh, you know, by, by Future Publishing, which is, uh, you know, they own that group. It started off with, I want to tell you I'm a lifelong NRA ma- a member. If you have any problem with this, I just want to tell you you should go register for this right now. Um, so I think that there's been, sorry, there's, there's been, I, I, I understand the, the fervor about it. I mean, I personally don't like guns, but I, I grew up in Mississippi, so I understand the culture and the fear about it. But I have to say, like, you know, I put together a trailer for Red 60 this week and I had this moment of doing it. When, you know, there's that scene of, like, a character being lifted up by her throat and having her her legs smashed in the game. And I'm like, wow, I'm really normalizing violence here. Like, this really does. Like, it, it glorifies guns and violence and, you know, shooting people and all of this stuff. It's really just adding to this culture of um, just kind of desensitizing us to this stuff. Now, obviously, I don't believe in, like, you know, never having that kind of imagery shown. But I think in a space like Emoji, I think it's it's worth thinking about. Like, this is a cute, cartoony language um, and do we really need that kind of, you know, expressly, uh, you know, violent, um, you know, iconography there? Um, for me, I personally wouldn't have initiated this, but I'm okay with it. So, I mean, curious how you all feel. Um, the, 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 the little cartoon gun didn't really bother me. I, I don't think that, that that in comparison to video games, in comparison to TV and media, in comparison to seeing actual violence. I think that it's so mild to that. And yeah. I don't think that it, it really, I don't think that we, we know that as a cartoon. And I think that people often use that as like, you know, shoot me, I'm angry. And it's part of our lingo. So I, I didn't really bother me. I don't think that they, like, I think that it was a nice stance. I think that it will cause some people to now you'll use the water pistol more often. And someone else is going to be like, wow, you're being really aggressive with me. I think that it could cause some, intonations of misunderstanding that could go a little bit worse than you would have expected it because people don't know that when I send an emoji to someone else that it's going to look differently than what I had expected it to be. Uh, You know, I think that probably some of that is cultured by the fact that I live in Canada where um, gun violence is not as strong of an issue here because of our gun laws are different to that. So that that's probably flavoring why it doesn't bother me that much. I don't know. I, I like the idea that they took a stand to it. I don't know if that's one that really makes a huge difference to it. I like the fact that that makes us talk about it, which I think is more important than either or. Because it was still a cartoony looking like, you know, it was like the gun that I used to play with when I was a kid. Like Yeah, like a cap gun or something. Yeah. Like or like or, we, you know, those of us of a certain age, which is to say not Micah, all had, you know, the Nintendo with the zapper. You know, growing up, and that was, I mean, they, they eventually made it orange instead you of You trying to gray. say I've never played Duck Hunt? The, the zappers are older than you are, is Take what I'm saying. Take that, Micah. You don't know about my past lives, Steve. Oh, that's right. I forgot that you're Benjamin Button, like, in, in real life. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> but I, I did think that this article from Emojipedia that came out today about, you know, the different ways that, that the gun is rendered on different systems was kind of interesting in that you kind of think of... I mean, Micah went into a lot of detail, I think kind of shortening it is to say that each 
each platform kind of have has its own font for displaying emoji. That's perfect. If you yeah. think about it that way, mm-hmm. like I mean, mm-hmm. you can you know what the letter H looks like, but it looks a little bit different on Android or iOS. But you know that it's an H, and this this is doing something to actually change the meaning of the of the emoji itself, which can create some problems. Like the example that they have in this blog post is. A text that says, you know, 2 p.m. tomorrow, local park, bring it with the water gun emoji. And then everybody who gets it who's not on iOS gets a real gun. And I mean, I would like to change the (laughs) meaning. I I would like I would like to think that you're not Aaron Burr in real life. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I guess that could lead to some in some cases that could lead to some confusion in a less lighthearted example but i i think it's interesting not from that perspective and i think it's fine that they do that and i'm hoping that what will happen is eventually some of the other platforms will um will, will follow suit and i can i love the idea of a whole bunch of nra uh diehards going to get android phones to root them to install a custom <laughs> version of emoji to get rid of the squirt gun but I, I think that it's interesting in that you don't really think of these things as ha- as conveying meaning that can change based on the way that it's rendered. Like, I'd certainly never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's interesting Boy, how sure we had. use it. Yeah. yeah, and how, you know, you well, I only talk to people on, on iOS because, you know, I, I have standards. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm, I'm, ju- I'm just kidding. I, we love you, Yasmin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But but you know you don't you don't really don't think rate of, us I'm, one star because of Steve yeah yeah just saying uh, that. Steve send, speaks send for himself we I accept <laughs> all operating systems send all your email to Micah Sargent at imore.com. <laughs> um, but but I, I mean I think it's interesting how you know if different platforms decide to render something slightly differently it could completely change the meaning which is something that most people would never think about just sending a text message well there's mm-hmm. been a lot of coverage um on the there, there's a smiley face emoji there's one smiley face emoji and i can't think of what it's called at the moment but i've seen i've seen vox i think cover it i've seen uh a, a bunch of different places cover it that uh you know are pitching to quote unquote millennials and uh the the article is about how it renders differently on different uh operating systems and it actually can also convey a different meaning depending and you know the thing is i think that a lot of emoji mean different things to different people because there's no you know you you open up the the box of chocolates which is which are the emoji in this case and you choose them and they have a meaning to you that isn't necessarily going to be the same thing that you know your mom or your grandma means when she when either of them send you an emoji which specifically talking about my mom and grandma um and they you know the fact is like the the joy emoji uh in in slack it's called joy but it's the face that's like laughing and crying at the same time for me that means i'm laughing so hard that i'm crying but i've actually had a few people tell me that they think that it means like this is a very awkward situation and i'm feeling really awkward right now um and so it, like regardless of of what the actual emoji is it's going to mean something different the same thing goes for the little it's actually called inform 
information desk person, and it's the emoji where the the little character has their hand stuck out to the side with their palm facing up. And uh, for oh, a lot those of ones, that's the gropey emoji. Oh, not the gropey Mr. Groper one. emoji, the one where the hands are like next oh, to the face. Oh, that's hugs. Like, that's hugs. But yeah, not that does not look like hugs to me <laughs> no, as gro- a female. <laughs> That emoji, the face with the two hands sticking mm-hmm. out, is to yeah. me, you want to grope me. Yeah, that is, I, I agree Every with time that. I see that, yeah. I am so creeped out with, because if a person comes up to a female like that, right away I am guarding myself because that you don't do that to a woman. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I'm like, this emoji is so creepy to me and i'm like he looks so happy about trying to grope me <laughs> that's a newer one too I did not, that's a hug emoji uh, that's what it's again like i said no, that, that's just what I, it's called. I completely agree yeah. with you georgia and it disturbs me every time i see it i'm like <laughs> what's going on i don't yeah. what time it's in i have uh, no yeah, idea like, what you're talking about like i don't think i'm i must be in better better company that i've never been sent that one i'm gonna send it to you right now just so you can see what it is um, I, I'm, I'm feeling very offended right now that you're doing and that. it's called what it's called uh in according to the unicode standard is happy face with hugging hands that's the name yeah. of it uh in the yeah, unicode Oh, there you are. What is it? Oh, yeah. I've never known what to do with that one, and I've just avoided that one entirely. I guess it's a good thing. That emoji. That it makes me really, really uncomfortable. Like, see, and so even emoji (laughs) that aren't like politically charged in a sense, like something you know, whether it's the the pistol or the water pistol, they still can carry so many different meanings. And this is the information desk person that I just sent. Um, And for I thought that was blowing a kiss. And see, you think it means blowing a kiss, and for my friends and I, we think it means sass, like "Hey, get it!" And or I like that's it was that's the sass doing, emoji. Like, the pharaoh thing, right? Walking like an Egyptian. Oh no! Well, no. I mean, that is what it means because that's what you feel it means, or it means blowing a kiss to you. The Unicode standard calls it information desk woman and information desk man, but I don't know of anyone who uses it as information desk man or information desk woman. Uh, And and quickly to note too, these characters originated in. Japan. Uh, that's why you see a lot of um, different characters that more relate to Japanese culture than they do uh, here, because right. you know that it was ported sense. over from the beginning. Um, but I like. I ended up liking what uh, the guy from Emojipedia said uh, in that maybe the best option is you know if Apple wants to take a stance on this, maybe just remove the character from the keyboard. That way, it doesn't break any compatibility with other services, and it's Apple making the statement that they don't approve of of the you know they don't want the gun the actual gun in in the emoji but then what happens when your nra friends send that to you i'd still show up yeah i just i don't agree with that i think like people are interpreting this it's a um is some sort of like apple political stand and i i don't interpret it that way i think it's about I, I think it is slightly about gun violence, but I think the the bigger point here is it's 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 not very Apple-y, The idea of a gun thrown in there is the most unApple like thing you can think of. That's so, true. you know, like I'm, I'm sorry to say it, but like the emoji design on Android is crap compared to iOS. I'm sorry, come at me, Gaspy. 
Um, you know, like, that was it's a just not title. as good. There we go. It's not. It's not as good. Uh, the PC. Uh, you know, the PC. The Windows uh, emojis that show up are not as good. Apple, I think, has the best set of emojis out there. And when I look at the design, like I see the water pistol and I see the cartoonish look of it, and I go. That looks like something Apple would design. It's just really hard to do a gun where it fits in Apple's design language. So I really think that's 99% of it. That's a really good point uh, and something I hadn't considered before. I, yeah, I definitely see where that's coming from because it does, you know, you see it. And I'm looking on uh, the most popular emoji uh, on Emojipedia right now. And, of course, it's showing the pistol because I'm on Mac OS. And it looks like it fits right in uh, with the design language a lot better. My two favorites are Apple's and Twitter's. I think Twitter did a really good job with their uh, custom emoji. But that's... It's funny because you were talking about how uh, often they are misinterpreted. Uh-huh. But um, Facebook, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even on Facebook, so you know how I feel about Facebook, did a really good job with their six main emotions. Uh, so what they did yeah. was there are six main universal emotion, emotions, cross-cultural universal emotions. And so those are the ones that they used for how you feel about an article. And so that's happiness, sad, anger, scared, disgust. Um, There's one that I'm forgetting there. But they're just our main feelings. And those we all cross-culturally would be able to interpret just by seeing someone how they feel. And so the problem with the emoji is that there's so many little... And I, again, I don't work uh, with Unicode and I'm not part of the consortium. But it's just there's so many different faces. Like, and I, I don't know. I don't understand. I need a emoji dictionary. I don't understand what the guy with no mouth is. Why they only have eyes? I don't know. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Upside down face. Like, often people will send me an emoji, and I'm like, I have no clue what you are trying to impart to me. But thank you. <laughs> so, so Georgia, I'm just going to communicate to you with animated gifts and Arthur fists from now on, and that'll that'll be it. I, yeah, yeah, and I think too it you know depends on, on how often you speak in them i what was like oh yeah you wanted to speak a little bit about the you know the uh, more people being represented and that being a very good thing obviously what are, what are the psychological implications of of more representation well i think that we did a really good job on on going over it so i'll go over it just really quickly if if you are one of the main groups of people that are represented, it's probably really hard to realize what it would be like to never have a doll that looks like you, to never be on TV. And so the same thing with something, what people would think as as minor, as an emoji, it's the way that we deal with language. And so when you're dealing with language, it's really nice to be properly represented in that because it's the manner in which we communicate. And so it's not just about being represented and we want our piece of the pie, how horrible of us, but it is that people would like to feel like they can impart in a language that also takes them into consideration. So it's about respect. It's about inclusion. It's about feeling a part of a culture and to be Washed out of a culture or never even represented in the first place is unconsciously hurtful. And it's interesting that often, like when I was young, I didn't, it wasn't, it didn't even bother me that I was not included in most of the TV shows that I watched because 
I didn't even think that I had a right to want to be included. And that is how small my own knowledge of my rights and my place on that part of the culture was. That I didn't even think I would have a right to even say that, that I would be being demanding and how could I even want that and I was asking so much um, and how could I? And so I think that it's really important and I don't think the first time you have a doll that looks like you or uh, G.I. Joe or to be on a TV show or even to be an emoji, it seems small to those that probably are um, already included and so you, because you've never seen it from the other side. I think that's really well said. Um, we have to move on because I have to tell you all about Linode. Remember Linode? I learned how to pronounce it. And I, yeah. yeah. And now I am happy to tell you that this episode is brought to you by our dear friends at Linode. It's a combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers spread across eight data centers around the world. Makes And it makes Linode a fantastic solution for your server infrastructure. You can get a server up and running in under a minute with plans starting at just $10 a month. That's so inexpensive and you get it up in under a minute. And you'll now get two gigabytes of RAM. You'll be able to choose your resources, Linux distro, and node location right from the manager tool. And once you're up and running, you can easily deploy, boot, and resize your virtual server with just a few clicks. So... It just is super, super easy and fast to get everything going and, again, inexpensive. So you might wonder what the heck you can do with Linode. Well, it's great for tasks like running a private Git server or hosting large databases, which is what you're going to need if you want to uh, mark down all of George's various crimes. Uh, if you want to run a mail server where you can get all of the mail to us for talking about how dare uh, we we ask for equal representation in emoji or or if you want to operate a powerful application or so much more, that's what Linode is great for. With industry-leading native SSD storage and access to a 40 gigabit network, oh, I'm drooling, you'll have all the power you need to get your tasks done. As a listener of this very show, if you sign up at linode.com disruption, you're not only supporting us, but you're also getting $20 towards any Linode plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose, folks. So go to linode.com slash disruption to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. Or you can use the promo code disruption20 at checkout. Thank you so much to our dear friends at Linode for supporting this show. But uh, we need to move on. I know, Steve, you've been waiting to set up your Linode database for all of our calls, our various calls and emails. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I'd probably run something to give me a 5% edge in Hearthstone before I'd use it to, uh, to, <laughs> to, to set up something for our voicemail. That's know. fair. That's fair. Uh, no, that's but... not fair. That's unacceptable. <laughs> unacceptable. Listen, I am not above using third-party tools to uh, to, to increase my win rate. Okay, I don't want to hear that, Steve. I yeah. always thought of you as a as a moral being who won his Hearthstone matches with his heart and vigor. I, I've been saying for two years, Steve is a monster. So I think, <laughs> I think it's just listen. All I, up I can't though. remember yeah. if they've played two executes or not. I need help. You know, okay. that's all. Okay. 
right. we've got calls and, and emails and tweets yes. and all that, right? All kinds of good stuff. So why don't we why don't we start with a voicemail? This- Hi, Disrupt Cons. My name is Tora. I live in St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm currently on my way to Kansas City right now. So I'm probably driving past Micah somewhere. So hi, my 70. Hi. Um, I just listened to your episode, uh, episode 16, and the phone call that you guys received reflected me in a lot of ways. Um, just a bit of backstory. I moved to St. Louis in March from living in Orlando for three years. Um, I had gotten out of a relationship that had been both emotionally abusive. I sacrificed a lot of my own being. Um, also dealt with sexual assault a couple of times in that relationship and not realizing what it was until recently. I also recovered from recovering from a heart, a minor heart attack that I had back in May. Um, I've I've been diagnosed with severe depression and general anxiety disorder. And just over the past year or two, and it's been getting worse, I've had suicidal thoughts. I've had many a panic attack, many an anxiety attack, which it's like it's weird when I'm at work. I work uh, customer support for a certain tech company. I am happy-go-lucky whenever I'm with the customers. I thrive off that energy. I'm an extrovert in that way. But when I get home, I'm more introverted, and those thoughts start creeping in, especially when it comes to me trying to get out in the dating field. And people tell me that I need to love myself before I could try to find a love someone else. But another person said to me once that, in a way, that's BS because it's saying that, just because I can't love myself, that I'm invalidated and shouldn't be able to love another person. It's almost saying that I'm less of a person. I'm, I do not deserve to be loved. I do not deserve to be in a relationship just because I can't love myself. And I want to know what you guys think of that. Um, and Georgia, I wanted to ask some tips for helping out when you have those severe panic attacks where you're going 220 kilometers in the wrong lane. And yes, that's a tattoo reference. Um, and it gets to the point that you start having those suicidal thoughts. Like, what are what would be your suggestion on ways of coping with that, and you know, bringing yourself back down? Um, and yeah, love the show. I've been listening to you guys since the very first isometric when Georgia talked about it on iMore, and I love you guys lots. Decepticons, roll out. <laughs> we love you too. <laughs> Much love. Georgia, this is a, a you topic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> please take the lead here. I, I don't. I don't think you want one of us to start talking for you. So I mean, I'm happy to, but I just think it'll be inappropriate. So. Well, first of all, thank you so much for for calling in. It's so common, um, unfortunately, of people dealing with it, and I think that it's really helpful to hear other people and other people's journeys and what they're they're dealing with because it normalizes it and lets people know that they're not alone and that that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them or as we spoke before that they're not broken because of that um so the comment i'll I'll, like there's like three main questions and so i'm going to answer each one of them do you have to love yourself before you can love someone else and are they saying that because it that means that you're invalid and you're not going to be good enough to love because you're not whole, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The reason that you want to love yourself before you get into a relationship is that if you don't – what happens often um, – and so I do agree actually that, that – well, I think that you should love yourself, period. I don't think that it has to do with relationship or not a relationship. I don't think that 
Um, it precludes getting in a relationship. I don't think that it means that you're broken, not whole, anything else. But if you do not care about yourself, you're not going to be able to really be there for a relationship because you're not able to be there for you. And so often what happens when you fall in love, you get this rush of dopamine and uh, norepinephrine and serotonin. And these are all really, they make you feel great. But it's off of the fact that you're falling in love. And so often it can even mask depression, make you feel better, mask anxiety. Seems amazing. But then after a while, that goes away and you haven't really dealt with the issues you need to deal with. And so what that statement is about is that no one else can fix the issues but yourself. And you need to do that. You deserve that. We, we talk about the trees. And so relationship are like two trees. And if the tree, one tree is leaning upon the other tree, eventually it might be too much for one tree. And if the other tree leaves, one tree falls down and the other one is weakened because it's been doing so much support. You also don't want to have a relationship where the two trees do not have the branches that intermingle. There's no partnership there. That also will cause feelings of distress. You want to be able to be there, work on the issues that you're going through to be there for yourself so that you can truly be there as a partner for you first and then for someone else as well. Because if not, you end up with often an enmeshed relationship, and that means where two people are um, highly codependent upon each other, or it ends up being something that you need someone else in order to feel okay. And you should, you should, if possible, never have to rely on anything but yourself, because that's the only thing that you can truly control. And so you want your self-esteem, your happiness, your sense of self to be internally motivated, not from something that is, your, we are not our job, our name, our title, our money, our trinkets, not even our tech or the games that we play. And you don't want them to be that. You want to have, uh, you want to go back to building the foundations of who you are as a person so that whenever the world becomes shaky, you can still stay standing. If not, it increases the chances of panic, anxiety, depression, anger, rage issues, uh, reactivity, and all kinds of other things. So it's not because of that that often this is stated, and I, I don't know who stated that to you, but it is about you deserve that and you'll have a healthier time in a relationship because of that. And I think that everyone needs to do self-worth, uh, self-work on themselves so that they feel better even when times are tough because times will be tough for all of us. So that's a really long statement, I'm sorry, on the love yourself part. Um, I'll, I think that for the panic attack and the anxiety, it's wonderful if you can find a uh, specialist, and that means someone that really is a specialist to help you deal with it. But I'll go through how to deal with a panic attack. And I'm going to give you like many weeks of how to deal with a panic attack in one. Um, we do have videos on it at anxiety-videos if you want something longer and you can't afford to go to a therapist or you'd want to have something that you can deal with at home. That, that's another way to kind of look at it, and we will have one that's specifically to panic attacks, but we have one that deals with anxiety specifically to that, and we just did one on depression as well. So panic attacks, the first thing that you want to do is know that you're not dying. A panic attack is not going to equate to death. It is, um, you're also, very rarely would you ever faint or fall over. It feels really unpleasant. A panic attack is probably one of the scariest things that you can ever go through that is non-life-threatening. 
because everything in your body is saying either attack or get out of the way. And it's an off and on system from your limbic system that deals with your protection mechanism of your body. And so if the more you have panic attacks, the more you will become prone to panic attacks because your body's saying, well, there's a lot of danger here, so I better raise it to orange alert or red alert or hot alert, and that means that it'll happen more often to that. So what you want to do if you're dealing with panic attacks is the first thing is you want to track them. You want to say what are your triggers to the panic attack, and if you came in for sessions with me, that would be we would go through what are the triggers, how often does it happen, what are the times that it is. Usually panic attacks happen and for you, you were speaking about how they happen when you're with people, it's great. When you're at home or alone or at night probably, it's when this is most prone to happen because you're left alone with your own thoughts. And if you're already not, haven't really worked on being accepting of yourself and a good person to yourself and care about yourself and be a good coach to yourself, then it makes the thoughts that run through your head when there is nothing to distract you much worse. And a lot of people will go to medication, to self-medicate, alcohol, um, not have to be left alone, have to watch TV and deal with things. But then again, night will come when you'll be alone with that. And often your mind kind of races and you go through cycling thoughts. So the techniques for dealing with a panic attack is to journal whenever you have them. Two, there's a wonderful article by Barlow on what is anxiety. Because in the end, panic attacks are the fear of a panic attack or the fear of something else happening. Once you know that this is the way that it happens, it's non-dangerous. It's not damaging to you, actually. Panic attacks are like your body going for a run without ever having to leave home. And so it's not bad in that case. And then there also there's a limit of time before your body runs out of energy for a panic attack. Eventually, the, the, um, um, uh, the adrenaline in your system will run out. And so you'll have, you can come back again and you can go through aftershocks, but this is not going to be something that's going to continue happening. So breathing techniques, so a paced breathing techniques are really good for the beginning and you want to do that eight times a day. What that is, is you take a deep breath in, you hold it and it's big belly breaths and then you release out. And I'm not going to go into why that works because that would be another 50 minutes and already going to have to cut this. Um, so that's good. Exercise is, it, is, is it in through the nose, out through the mouth? It doesn't. Uh, yes, that is the proper way to teach it. But I'll be honest, I don't. I sometimes do it through the nose in and out through the nose. Or if I'm sick, I'll do it in from the mouth and out. And I've seen no studies that show that one is actually better than the other. But the proper way to be taught is that. So I teach it that way. But really what you want to do is you want the exhale to be longer than the inhale. And you want to relax your muscles in your body while you're doing it. And that's teaching you. It, it sends a, tr a message to your brain that actually says, I'm calm, I'm okay. I'm not doing the little short chest breaths. So there mustn't be a tiger chasing me. And so there's less of a chance that your body will send um, a whole, whole bunch of um, endorphins to your system and adrenaline to your system and cortisol. Because it's saying, oh, I guess everything's okay. So I guess I don't need that to survive. And so then it would be exercise, sleep, and then the rest is journaling so that you know what's happening to that. And then working on having like a really good set of inner thoughts. So that's me trying to wrap it up in like really a short amount of time, uh, which would usually be like, like just dealing with panic attacks is like a few sessions that we go through, though all of this is completely manageable. And panic attacks are probably one of, they're the most intense and unpleasant, but they're also some of the 
easiest to treat, easiest I'm going to put like with little air quotes, I would use emoji air quotes um, to be able to say that, that it really is treatable. And if you find someone good, like we, we usually average to eight to 12 sessions. And if someone's really good, it's going to be much shorter than that as well to be able to deal with them. Like I've had people and you can never guarantee and it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. If it takes longer, there may be just more intense issues to that. But after a session, just saying, okay, that's good. And then they just stop because they get it and they understand that. And so I would definitely recommend going to see a specialist that you feel comfortable with and you appreciate and understands you and feels validating to you. And so you can um, live a really happy, free life of this. Can I, I just want to, I know that we have to move on, but I just want to make a quick note on that, which is that, uh, as I mentioned in a past episode, I used to, uh, growing up, I used to get bad panic attacks and every once in a while, uh, they still come up. Um, and you know, w- one of the things that I've known, like, and actually dealing with them is a, it's really frustrating when people tell you, uh, everything's fine and you're not, you know, there's nothing wrong with you and everything's okay because you feel in your heart of hearts that like everything is wrong yes. and that you're definitely going to die. And the other thing yeah. is that it can feel like it's always going to be an issue. Uh, and it's you're, at least that it's always going to, you know, basically that it's always going to be a factor. And it's always going to be terrible. Um, and, I, you know, I learned techniques and things like that. And I actually, the other night, and this is so ridiculous, but I... Um, Don't say I was, that. Well, the, the exa- I mean, because it just comes on. But anyway, the other night I was taking, uh, I was taking my vitamins and I realized after, you know, like an hour that I had already taken my vitamins for the day. So I doubled Mm -hmm. up on my vitamins. And one of the vitamins that I take is iron and another one is vitamin D. And those two are, well, iron, of course, you know, there's iron poisoning and then vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin as opposed to a water soluble vitamin. And so you can actually have too much of it. Anyway, I felt myself start, you know, my brain started tickering toward that. uh, Oh my gosh, are you going to have iron poisoning or something like that? And, um, I, you know, I use the techniques, um, to, to calm myself and step myself away from that. And the reason I'm telling that story is just like it, as much as like, I know, I know the feeling of having a panic attack and Mm -hmm. feeling like there's nothing that could possibly make these go away and that it can't, you know, it can't stop, but it can. And if you take the time to, to learn the techniques and, uh, really work with someone to, to, you know, kind of overthink that part of your brain that's uh that's already doing a lot of overthinking then it can it can help so yeah. uh, there's there's hope there's hope in that yeah and and it's not a ridiculous it's a very common one when you think that you've done something that could damage you to have a panic attack i think that that's one of the ones that when i started martial arts and i got my first bloody nose that was my thought is i've damaged myself i've done something that's damaged me and i could tell my breathing i didn't know it was a panic attack at the top but it was the beginning of an anxiety attack cuz i knew i wasn't dying so it wasn't a panic attack and I think that that's really an important statement to that, that many people and we often say, oh, it's ridiculous or how silly. And I, I was, you know, don't don't say that because it's really common. And we often that's why people don't talk about it is because they think, well, there's no actual tiger. How stupid I am for thinking this way, where really it's quite common and understandable. And it makes sense when you would look at it, that that would be something that you might worry about. And so I don't want you to feel demeaned or that that isn't a valid enough feeling to say this is a trigger thought of mine. And so then you can deal with it. 
Well, there we go. I, I wanted to say something on this. Um, you know, unlike everyone else on this podcast, uh, if my husband died tomorrow, I would have no one. I have no family, nobody. So I, when, when you're talking about that fear of being alone and that need to find somebody, I really understand that. That's a, a very primal desire that I had before um, I got married. And I, I think I would chime in and say this. You know, something I see with a lot of dudes in, you know, just surrounding me in engineering is sometimes they have things that um, are kind of things in their personality that kind of push people away in ways that they, they need to work on. And, you know, I, I've got these too. I mean, like, trust me. But, you know, the idea that you have to like go to therapy and fix all of that. And then you're magically lovable. I don't think that's really true. The way I think, I think a good marriage works where you find someone and you each kind of supplement the other person's weaknesses. And like Frank and I have a really good marriage for these reasons. Like, you know, he had his sister die in front of him uh, when he was 12 years old and he has a very deep nurturing part of his personality. He's also kind of an absent professor and I'm very much a type A, let's get out there and do stuff. And we, we work really well together. So if you're looking to someone to like solve all your issues and give you happiness, that's not magically going to happen. But, you know, marriage and love is someone that understands your faults and loves you and you know like you work together because of that so it's kind of both answers just to be really honest with you yeah all right um would we like to move on to the next message steve um so we have one uh one tweet that came in uh through the dms which uh which we left open despite all of our um (laughs) all of our best best intentions but um so we got this this DM from Microlight Twenty who asks, "Do you see a world in which you would abandon Mac OS?" I've been increasingly impressed with Windows Ten and depressed with the lack of hardware updates. With their continued insistence on the iPad being a computer, plus no updates to the MacBook Pro, I just made the jump. I landed in the arms of a Razer Stealth and Core. I'd love to hear what would end up being a deal breaker to you in the next updates to the MacBook Pro line. Ooh, deal breakers! Deal breakers! I mean, for me, you know, I've always felt a real disadvantage because almost every other 3D engineer I know uses Windows. I'm very much a holdout over on the the Mac side. So I definitely feel this. Um, I think for me, it is the hardware, though, that uh, keeps me over in in Mac world, you know. you know, like the the 12-inch MacBook, like that's a, a really sleek, awesome form factor. It just doesn't, you know, exist in Windows. I played with the the razors and the, you know, the really high-end um, things over there. And it's just, it's the quality does not come close enough to, to the Mac. So I think for me, I'm just so hopelessly, um, you know, entrenched in the ecosystem of, you know, Apple Music and everything else. I just, I, I hate to say it, I don't think there's much. Apple could do to get me off of that. I guess a yeah. precipitous drop in hardware quality. 
Yeah, they, they'd have to retire Logic for, for me. I mean, that would be the first thing because I am not in the business of like learning another audio editing program at this point. So just for as far as bringing this wonderful piece of audio programming to you, the listener, um, I'm pretty much locked in on Mac OS for a while. I mean, I will I will echo what you're saying on the hardware end, though, because I've I mean, I've used a PC at work through the entire time that I've been a Mac user at home. And if you enjoy a touchpad, I have yet to find a touchpad on any. I mean, we, we're all we're all Lenovo laptops at, at my office. There, it's it amazes me how they manage to make the touchpads actually worse from revision to revision. <laughs> it's it's like I every time that I that they issue me a new computer, I'm like, there's no way the touchpad could be worse, and they find a way. <laughs> and it's 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 to the point where I have to carry a mouse with me if I'm not at my desk because if I try to use a touchpad, and a lot of what I'm doing is like visualization, like we're we're working with users building charts and graphs and you know navigating a GUI, and it's like if I don't have a mouse, it takes me literally twice as long to try to do anything with, with a touchpad whereas the only time that i connect a mouse at home is like if i'm playing heroes of the storm the hardware is just better if you're using a laptop i mean maybe there are better laptops than the ones that we're buying but it's like i use windows enough during the day that every time that i get frustrated with anything that apple's doing all i have to do is boot up my work computer and and remind myself why i'm using a mac at home so i would love it if they did a better job of, you know, graphic performance for the games that I play. But like, ultimately, I'm not going to go buy a Windows machine to go play Overwatch on a PC when I have consoles, you know. Right. Uh, f- for me, I pretty much I would say the same thing as, as Bree. Uh, right now, I mean, I don't have any tasks that can't be performed on a Mac that I would need a different computer for. Um, I think that uh, the Mac has done a fine job of making it, uh, you know, easy for me to do video editing in, in final cut. Um, it's easy for me to do motion graphics in motion or in, even in, in the Adobe products, it's easy for me to do photo manipulation in the Adobe products, uh, write in different things. So the, the Mac provides all of the things that I need. Um, I guess if they decided to, um, replace the keyboard with those little things that Feet? you prick oh, that. Yes. Or those little <laughs> things that you prick your finger with to get the blood and test for nutrients. If all of the keys were replaced with that on my MacBook pro keyboard, then I would leave. Uh, oh, so Mac. you've used my work computer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Georgia, what about you? For me, it all would come down to privacy. If I found that there was an OS that would guarantee privacy or if Apple uh, suddenly did not care about our privacy, then that would be something that would make me want to switch. I could see that. I mean, that's that's why even though I make a lot of noise about if they were actually remove the headphone jack from the next iPhone, yeah, do you? like... I'm oh I'm I'm ups- I will be upset about it, but I'm not switching to Android. I'm I'm a headphone jack person as well. I don't know why. I just don't like change. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, you're the most <laughs> honest person I know because th- there are just too many people that say, I love change and I thrive on change and change is the best thing that could ever happen. And then all of those same people are like, why did they move my button in this app? Yeah, and exactly. why <laughs> is the the mustard on the left side of the fridge instead of the right where I left it? Uh, I yeah, don't why? ever believe anyone whenever they proclaim that they love change. Um, yeah, the iPhone 7 is definitely going to move the mustard in your refrigerator. I, I, I do. I mean, like on the head check thing, I'm, I'm 100% down with it. I mean, I'm early adopter, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm actually not upset about the headphone thing, but that's because I don't really plug in uh, the headphone jack. Wait, yeah. what were you saying, Salty Steve? Yeah. Well, I just, well, I've got a pair. I I tried to get on the Bluetooth headphones train, and Choo-choo. it's such a it's such a pain to deal with them. That I, I mean, maybe I just have a crappy pair of Bluetooth headphones. I don't know, but it's like all the hassle that goes along with it. Whereas. I have a pair of Bluetooth headphones that are actually sound decent, and most most of the time, I'll just reach for my wired ones because it will take me a lot less time and effort to actually get to doing what I'm doing rather than fiddling around with making sure that it's powered on and then turning it on and making sure it pairs to my computer and not my phone if that's where I want it to go or the other, and it's just – it's. It seems like it's just adding so much overhead to something that should be so simple. But it's you know? not. It's so easy. Like uh, I'm gonna. I'm more article out soon about my um my experience getting uh my Beats uh Studio Wireless replaced, which are some of my favorite things I own. And to switch it, you just hold down the center button for two seconds, and then you pair it on the next device. Like it's really easy. And mm-hmm. it's like if it has power, like you'll see it with the LED lights when it turns on. So. I don't know. And my, my job remover are the same way. I just flip the switch. But I think, uh, you know, if it becomes a necessity and it becomes something that you're using every day, there'll be less of the fiddling because that'll be, you know, the main thing that you use. But we'll have plenty of time to talk about that whenever it comes. But for now, if you'd like to be one of the people who's got in touch, who gets in touch with us and, and uh, gets all of our creative responses, you can do that by calling 508-418-3532. That's 508 418 you can also tweet us on Twitter at underscore Disruption FM. And please tweet with the hashtag Disrupt Me, because that's how we see that you've asked us questions. If you'd rather not make that a public affair, then you can go ahead and send us a direct message, because as Steve noted, our DMs are open, so slide into them. Please review the show on <laughs> iTunes. We love it whenever you do, and then we get to tease those who've decided to give us poor ratings. You can find the show notes at relay.fm slash disruption where we'll have links to all of the stuff we talked about today and of course thank you to our wonderful network that's that relay.fm part of the url relay you can find me on twitter at micah sergeant and steve where can people find you you can find me tweeting mostly pictures of albums that i'm listening to at wicked good on twitter and hearthstone (laughs) And Hearthstone, but you know that that's kind of assumed at this point. So Brie. I'm going to be insufferable when the new adventure comes out next week. Just fair warning. <laughs> Bree, what about you? Where can people find you? Just just follow the sirens. <laughs> <laughs> I try to. That's, that's all you're getting. Oh, okay, from me. that's all this week. Okay, okay. and uh, Georgia, where can people find you? So if you are dealing with anxiety um, issues, uh, you can check out anxiety-videos.com or you can check me out on Twitter at Georgia underscore Dow. Awesome. All that's left is for Steve to tell our lovely listeners the thing he likes to tell them every week. 
Go, go find something else to listen to. We're done. Go, go, go send Mike, pick Mike a pictures of feet. Go, we're no. done. Bye. <laughs> Charles said robot feet. <laughs> robot feet. Feed on your robot chihuahua. Go, mm-hmm. do it. Make do it, it happen. You're just trying to turn everything I love into everything I hate. Hey, we That's, try. If you sent me a photo oh. of a cat with human feet instead oh. of paws, I would probably just disappear from the earth. Challenge accepted. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so you want me you to disappear this. from this earth? You started oh, this. You kind of asked for it. Steve, you've oh, got to go celebrate your anniversary. No, I need to send you a picture. No, send a per- picture <laughs> anniversary. And then celebrate your anniversary, but I'm off to a virtual reality world. Of course. Okay. Well, I I am also off to a virtual reality world of a of a cat with feet. So there you go. I'm off to scheduling iMore posts and then going the frack to sleep. Oh my god, there's like a whole children's treasury of cats with feet. Oh great! Ah! Oh my god, Steve! No, you really did send me a photo. Did he? I gotta see it. I have to see uh, it. I'm leaving. I'm <laughs> bye. Well, I, bye. I love you, Mike. Bye. Bye. Check it bye. Out. bye. bye.